0: Hi, everyone. My name is Kathy R. from Jacksonville, Florida. Welcome to the Daily Reflection podcast. And I tell when I work with other sponsees, I'm like, you know, if you don't give back, this program ends. This this program is about paying forward. It's like I tell my sponsees, you know, someone wants you to do service work. The word is yes. It's better to not overcommit than to say you can do something and not follow through because follow through is so important. I can always tell what kind of a program someone has by their follow through. Also, another thing I didn't try to do is become authentic, but that kind of happens to you.
1: Welcome to the Daily Reflection podcast with your hosts, Michael L. and Lee M. This is a show where we provide experience, strength and hope through interviews with members of the recovery community. The show is not affiliated with any 12 step or recovery program, although you may hear them mentioned throughout the course of an interview. On today's show, Kathy R. from Jacksonville Beach, Florida. Before we get to the show, a favor. Can I ask you to give us a rating? If you're on a podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Audible.com or Spotify, you have the ability to provide a rating. What that's going to do is it's going to give us feedback and let us know what you like, but it's also going to increase our impact. Help us uh, be found by more listeners. We'd greatly appreciate that. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, good morning, Lee. How are you?
2: Good morning. I'm great. How are you this morning?
1: Fantastic, just a great day in April. What's uh, what's going on today? Who's in the studio?
2: So today is April 2nd, and uh, we've got my new friend, Kathy R. And I know you remember Cece B, who's been on the show a couple of times, actually. We haven't released her second episode yet. And her sponsor is Missy G, who was on at the end of March. So we've got a nice family tree going here. So excited to have Kathy in the studio with us. And she's gonna be talking about today's Daily Reflection, which is character building.
1: Fantastic. I love this reflection. Kathy. welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast.
2: Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: Well, we start the show with the guest reading The Daily Reflection for today. Cathy, would you help us get started and read?
0: Absolutely. Um, April 2nd, character building. Demands made upon other people for too much attention, protection, and love can only invite domination or revulsion. And that's 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 44. When I uncovered my need for approval in the fourth step, I didn't think it should rank as a character defect. I wanted to think of it more as an asset, that is, the desire to please people. It was quickly pointed out to me that this need can be very crippling. Today I will enjoy getting the approval of others, but I'm not willing to pay the price I used to pay to get it. I will not bend myself into a pretzel to get others to like me. If I get your approval, that's fine, but if I don't, I will survive without it. I'm responsible for speaking what I perceive to be the truth, not what I think others may want to hear. Similarly, my false pride always kept me overly concerned about my reputation. Since being enlightened in the AA program, my aim is to improve
2: my character. Wow. I love that. Thanks for reading. Before we get started, Kathy, what's your sobriety date? My sobriety date is December 7th, 1998. Wow. Okay. So as you read this, as I read this, so much comes to mind. I'm curious what comes to mind for you first. How does this resonate for you?
0: Well, a couple of things uh, that hit me just now is about my reputation. You know, before I got here, I really didn't have a reputation except for a bad one. But I think the biggest thing for me that resonates about the character building and about this particular reading is about the people pleasing. I didn't even know I was a people pleaser. Like I said, till I started working the steps, I would be in resentments all the time. And I never realized it was because of people-pleasing. I would do all these things to make others happy, but in the long run, make myself unhappy. So to my own detriment, I was a queen of people-pleasing. And I learned through the years after working the steps in certain um, situations where finally the light bulb came on and and I learned boundaries and I learned I'm not much of a people-pleaser anymore. (laughs) I have a couple of examples. Really, I was thinking about this main one. I was in a relationship early in Friday, you know, after you get that year, you know, you want to get in a relationship. So I did it like a year and a day. And, you know, there was a lot of growing up in that particular relationship. I was, I was in it for seven years. And my uh, partner wanted to buy a camper and um, suggested that I put the camper in my name. So I was like, OK, I'll, I can do this. So, of course, um, I didn't really feel comfortable signing, a, signing on the bottom line for this, but I did it anyway because I wanted to people please. Well, uh, needless to say, that relationship did not last. So um, I ended up with a camper and nothing to pull it with. So basically, I had to put this camper in my new home, in my garage. And every time I would open up the garage door, I'd go, people pleaser, people pleaser. And I can tell you that cured me because I ended up selling that camper for a lot less than I paid for it. And it just finally got my attention that I'm not gonna do this anymore.
1: That's a great story. And nothing like a, like a giant reminder every time you open the door about your character defects. But I'm curious about how you went through the process of uncovering the, the character defects and then beginning to work on them.
0: You know, you get in a lot of pain when you go through things like that. And financially, you know, I had cleaned up all my finances when I got sober, and now I found myself back in the same place just because the alcohol was gone. The character defects still existed. So I had I had gotten myself back in the same situation, and I was sober. So it got my attention, and I decided at that point that I was going to live authentically, honestly for myself. Not put myself in those situations as as much as possible.
2: I can relate to that. You know, I think the people pleasing especially when it comes to relationships can get us into financial trouble and then one of the gifts of sobriety is to be able to grow up and mm-hmm. take responsibility and then start taking right action and uh, it's amazing how we can get out of it like little by little by just working the steps and it's a beautiful thing that no matter how far down the path we've gone we can always can improve so what was your life like before you got into aa what made you so willing to look at life a new way
0: well, I would say I was—I uh, got off at, the, at a very low bottom. It's really interesting. A lot of things happened. I mean, I went through the DUIs. I had—I was in a, involved in a, a hit and run. I had a lot of bad things happen. I was evicted from my residence. You know, I had a car that was—you know—where uh, they come and pick it up because you don't pay your bills. I was really financially very unstable, and it wasn't that I didn't have the money. I just—you know—was very irresponsible. I would say that would be the biggest uh, character defect I had coming in here. So, uh, all of those things did not make me want to get sober. I just dealt with it and came up with a way to deal with everything that happened to me, which was crazy and dramatic. But I always landed on my feet, and it actually um, what finally took me down was I was um, yet another relationship and you know drinking. So the relationship kind of got, the relationships or what brought me down to my bottom, but this particular relationship, it wasn't even a really that serious of a relationship, but I remember, you know, how we drink and dial. I remember I was drinking and dialing and, you know, you're, you're calling this person that doesn't want to be with you anymore. And you're convincing them by drinking and dialing that they really don't want to be with you anymore, but you don't realize that. But all of a sudden a light went on and I thought, Oh my gosh, I've been here before. This does not work. After that phone uh, conversation was over, I had two bottles of Vendage wine, you know, the cheapest, biggest wine you could get. and I finished those off and before I went to bed that night, I hit my knees and um, I said, I, I just I can't do this anymore. And I didn't really even know what that meant. And the next day I picked I woke up and I called Alcoholics Anonymous and I knew where it was because I would visited, I called it Antiquing. I used to visit it on occasion. And they said, you know, you're a newcomer, you know, you know, there's a, a six o'clock meeting, a newcomer meeting tonight. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to wait till six o'clock for this meeting. And I literally, you know, was crawling out of my skin all day long. I mean, I didn't realize you could just go to a meeting. I thought you had to go to a newcomer, meet, you know, trying to follow the rules. So when I went to that, uh, I finally went to that meeting. And uh, I just cried the whole time. And then after that meeting, they said, oh, there's another meeting. And I was like, oh, thank God. So I went to the next meeting. And after that, I was like, well, when's the next meeting? And they're like, there's no more meetings tonight, but you can come back tomorrow. I was like terrified, but I was so exhausted from not drinking all day that probably had the best night of sleep I'd had in years. They were all like, oh, pick up a white pick pick up a white chip. And I didn't really know what that meant. And I went and picked up that white chip and By the grace of God, it's the only white chip I've ever picked up, but I had to really finish my business out there before I was able to uh, walk in there and surrender.
1: So often we see folks that are struggling. They need to experience quite a bit of pain, but tell me about that prayer the night before you went to AA and um, your conception of a higher power. Is this something that you've always felt strongly about, or did you, did that develop as you, you began to get into recovery?
0: Um, I would say it developed. I, I've always believed in God. I, I grew up uh, in a Catholic religion. That when my parents divorced, they shunned our family. So I had some mixed views on Catholicism versus, you know, religion. So when I started finding a, a more spiritual approach, and I, I really did feel like the people in the rooms were, you know, just God and, and skin, and I really learned a lot about my spirituality, really in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I have actually gone to churches here and there over the years, and I've just never really, it's just not resonated for me. I think uh, it was Glenn and Doyle who said, you know, I don't need a mediator between me and God. And that's kind of how I feel.
2: You know, I want to ask you in the um, in the reflection, it says. Today I still enjoy getting the approval of others but I'm not willing to pay the price I used to pay to get it. I won't bend myself into a pretzel to get others to like me. If I get your approval that's fine, but if I don't, I will survive without it and it makes me feel like that that's describing a level of confidence and a level of self-love that we didn't have, you know, out there maybe when we first got in. So how do you feel about yourself and the way that you connect to the world today?
0: Well, it's interesting because Back to relationships. Um, my last relationship started off with a bang. We were together for seven years, and and I felt, you know, the other person withdrawing, and and um, it just, you know, when someone withdraws, it's just like the beginning of that where you just feel needier and needier and needier. And instead of doing that, this time I said, you know what? I need to I need to walk away from this relationship. I'm I'm I don't feel good about myself anymore. And so I had found myself and felt the confidence and felt good. And then I ended up in this relationship where I'm just going back down that road. So, you know, I said, you know, this is over. I can't do this anymore because I really felt like I love myself more than I love that person. And I really did love the person. So that was very difficult, but it was freeing for me because I knew that I was taking care of myself, which is what I've learned in this program is to take care of myself. And stop putting other people's feelings above my own, um, which I uh, is that typical codependence that we have.
1: So prevalent in in the rooms and in recovery in general, uh, that that feeling of uh, people pleasing. And um, yeah, and I, ca- I can relate as well. So I'm curious about when you did come in and you started to sense that you're not alone and you, you found other people that. We're basically telling your story. How long did it take you to get into the program of recovery and and start to get a sponsor and start to work the steps?
0: Well, it's interesting because um, that's one of the first things I heard, get a sponsor, get a sponsor, get a sponsor. And so um, this one lady walked up to me. She was actually a newscaster in Jacksonville. She uh, came up to me and she had a year. And I thought, okay, good. That's all I really want. I want a year and I want to go because I didn't understand anything. So I was like, okay, this works for me. So I met with her. We had coffee and I just purged, you know, when you're new, you just let them have it. Well, she never returned my calls after that day. (laughs) And I always tell people if I wasn't ready, I would have left the rooms that day, but I was ready. So I found another sponsor and I actually didn't really like catch on to the program. I didn't drink and I was struggling. And six months in, I'm I'm like, you know, uh, white knuckling it. And, you know, of course, I'm letting everyone in the rooms know that I'm doing them a favor by being there and that I'm miserable. And I don't understand why we're all here, except for I'm bringing myself to these meetings. And, you know, people would just say, well, you know, have you worked the steps? Are you working the steps? And I'm like, yeah, I'm working the steps, you know, but I really wasn't. You know, I was dabbling and I kept thinking, what does the steps have to do with what's going on with me? What do the steps have to do with this? And I just was so miffed by it all. And finally, I started working the steps and little things started to happen. Like after my fifth step, you know, I was six months in I and I took my fifth step with my sponsor and I left there and I was like, you know what? This stuff does not work. I mean, every time I finished a step, I was like, no, this is, doesn't work. And about three or four days, and I was like white knuckling it before that. And about three or four days after that, I thought, you know what? I haven't even wanted a drink. And I didn't even notice it. So the program started working me. And then I started going, okay, okay. And then when I get to eight and nine and I would um, make amends, like I made amends to, I had a list, a long list of financial amends and other amends. But one of my best friends, um, I don't even know what I did the night she decided not to be my friend and to this day she is not my friend but she was on the very top of the list and I decided you know I want to make you know this is the first amends I want to make you know I want to get my friend back and so I couldn't get her on the phone so I emailed her and I said hey you know I know I you know I'm in the program of, of recovery and I know I've done you wrong and I, I know I also owe you this money and I would like to make amends. And she said, well, let's, you know, let's let you pay the money back first. And then, you know, we'll talk about the friendship later. So I started to send her a little money every month. And finally, I was done. I was like, wow, that was quick. You know, you want to go have coffee? And she's like, uh, I really appreciate you, you know, getting the money back to me. But I don't think so. And I once again was like, well, this doesn't work. This isn't working. And what I realized was I wasn't trying to get I was trying to get the friend back. But what I got back was myself. And so I went into the amends thinking it was getting the friend back. And what I realized is that wasn't the case at all. So I've just had some pretty cool experiences. I ran into her. She actually ended up moving to Jacksonville. And I ran into her a couple of years after that in a mall. And I was walking towards her and I saw her and I was like, the first thing I wanted to do was, you know, hide behind the clothes of JCPenney. But I realized I don't have to hide from her. I've taken care of my business and we spoke for a minute and we went our ways. And that's when I knew that the program's working. It's not about getting a friend. And I really, I understand that when people get upset about the steps, when they don't get what they think they're supposed to get, but it's not, you know, that's where all the aha moments are happening for me.
2: That's such a great story. You know, I, I say this all the time. That this program has like a mystical component to it. If we just show up and do mm-hmm. it, like we have no idea what we're getting into when we show up. We, we It's not like we got a manual that was going to tell us how this was all going to unfold. We literally come in and just trust the very next pro- step in the process. That's it with no ability to see what's going to happen. And then, the gifts and the blessings are so amazing and nothing we thought we were going to get, not what we came for. So I love that you're sharing this because I think it's important to recognize that, you know, just keep coming back one day at a time and you're going to be amazed before you're halfway through. And I'm wondering what advice would you have for somebody who might be thinking about coming or, or is brand new?
0: Well, definitely get a sponsor because to me, I didn't have a clue about any of it, about the steps or any of it until I got us. I would say you know, get a sponsor. And for me, I did 90 and 90. And I told my sponsor, I would do 90 and 90, not one day more. I mean, I was so defiant, but thank God I did 90 and 90 because that's when it started to click. That's when I thought, okay, I'm not drinking. I haven't drank in 90 days. Maybe there's something to this. So, you know, I always had to have the proof in the pudding, and if you're, you know, if you're new or nearly new and you, you want some proof in the pudding, you're going to have to stick around just a little bit to find that. And it just, it gets bigger and bigger as the years go on. And there are still just so many miracles and so many things that keep coming back to me. You know, I was thinking on the way here, you know, it was never my goal to build character. That wasn't my goal. And it wasn't my goal to stay sober. It was my my goal to get sober. And I tell when I work with other sponsees, I'm like, you know, if you don't give back, this program ends. This, This program is about paying forward. When I first came in and said, I, you know, I want to get a year and I'm out of here. If I had done that, I wouldn't have gotten anything. I wouldn't have gotten all the gifts that I've gotten. So I would just say stick around and let and, you know, just wait for the gifts and work the program.
1: Speaking of working the program, what's it look like today? You mentioned you work with others. What other components of the recovery program are you weaving into your daily life?
0: Well, I do the Zoom meetings mostly. Um, I have gone back to some um, some live meetings recently. I've, I've been being vaccinated, so I'm getting back into that. I do do the steps. I'm a step speaker when I asked. I do that quite, I've done that quite a few times. I do enjoy that. I always pick up sponsors when I do that as well. People can relate to your story. It's like I tell my sponsees, you know, someone wants you to do service work, the word is yes. If at all possible, the word is yes. So, of course, I want to be that example to them. You know, I I don't talk to my sponsor every day. She probably would not want me to call her every day, but she picks up that phone every time I need her to. And I tell you, I try to be that kind of sponsor, too. And I have a network of friends. I've have a network of people that I've known since I've got sober and we all are, most of the people that I got sober with are still sober, which says a lot for
2: fellowship. As we start to wrap up, is there, is there a final thought or anything that you want to make sure that our audience hears? I would just
0: say, as far as the character building for me, that um, learning how to have boundaries is so important and learning that it's okay to say no. And not overcommit. It's better to not overcommit than to say you can do something and not follow through. Because follow through is so important. I can always tell what kind of a program someone has by their follow through, by their trueness to themselves and by their authenticity. I just can't put on those airs anymore. This is who I am. I can't do this. I can do this. Also, another thing I didn't try to do is become authentic. But that kind of happens to you.
1: Well, Kathy, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. It's been a wonderful conversation.
0: Thank you, Mike. It's nice meeting you. Thanks, Kathy.
1: Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Reflection Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app, We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day.